pray for our friend, our brother, who is on the other side of the world, ministering to people. Let's ask that God would empower him up. Uh, Father, do you hear us, King? We come asking that you would bless Derek, that you would have your hand upon him, and that you would fill him all the way to the top of his head with your spirit. And that he would move in power, Lord. That he would step out in confidence, praying for people, ministering to people, speaking your truth in confidence with authority and power. And that when your spirit leads him to move out and to bless someone, that he would move very quickly. That he would not hesitate, but he would take advantage of the opportunities there. Let Thailand be impacted by this single brother who is out there within these next weeks. Impacted forever. May you do great work through him, Father. Empty him of himself and fill him up with you. That he may glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, um, what are we waiting for? Let's jump into the text, huh? Um, we are in Ecclesiastes tonight. If you're there, if you have your Bibles, Ecclesiastes. Um, the preacher. The preacher. The preacher. That really is the title of this book, The Preacher, because what we're doing is analyzing just that, this man Solomon, who's, guess what, in his probably backslidden time of life, or he just got done with a backslidden journey, Solomon running from God, not doing what he's supposed to. Okay, let's turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 17 real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 17, I want to make sure I find this here. Hmm. This is the duties of a king. If you ever want to find the duties of a king and what they're called to do, in the law, in the Torah, in the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses, um, you look to Deuteronomy chapter 17 and it tells us exactly what a king is called to do. Check it out. Deuteronomy chapter 17 Look at verse 16. It says about the king, the duty of the king, listen. He shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses, for as much as the Lord has said unto him, you shall henceforth return no more that way. Now look at verse 17. Neither shall you multiply wives to yourself. That his heart turn not away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. It mentions just, just three things here, but it goes on to host a list of things that the king is not supposed to do. It says here, you're not to multiply horses unto yourself. Lots of horse, cattle, and all this. No, don't do that. You're not to multiply gold or silver. Lots of money. Chasing after that. And you're not to multiply what? Wives unto yourself. Hmm. Interesting. You know what Solomon did? You know, God actually came to Solomon and said, I will give you anything that you desire. Anything that you want. It was like a, like a genie or something. Three wishes. Anything you want. He said, one thing you can... Anything. And um, Solomon said to God, uh, Give me wisdom to govern over your people. And God said to Solomon, because you have not asked for riches, 
Because you have not asked for, um, you know, all kinds of other things. You've asked for wisdom to govern my people. I will give you all of it. You will have all of it. But the Bible is clear here where it says he is not to multiply it unto himself. That God would bless him with the wisdom, with the things that he needs, but he is not to multiply these things unto himself for his own gain. And Solomon did directly opposite of what God had told him not to do. He got lots of gold and silver. He was probably the richest man to ever walk this earth. Ever. None before him and none after him. He went big. He had more stuff. If you look at chapter 2 here of Ecclesiastes, it starts to say everything that he, that he got. Look at this, verse 3 of chapter 2. You there? It says, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, you there? Verse 3. I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting my heart with wisdom and to lay hold of, on folly, till I might see what was that good for the sons of men which they should do under heaven all the days of their lives. I made me great works. I built houses. I built me vineyards, planted vineyards. I made gardens and orchards. I planted trees of all kinds of fruit. I made pools of water. Water within, the wood to bring to the trees. I got my servants and maids and had them born. My house. I also had great possessions, great and small cattle, above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold, and the particular treasures of the kings, the provinces. I got me men singing, singing and women singers, and the delights of the sons of men, and the musical instruments of all sorts. So I was great and increased with more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, did you hear that? Listen, what he says. Whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this is my portion of all my labor. He says, Then I looked on all my works and all my, that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. He did everything that he was not supposed to do. All the money, all the cattle, built himself houses and pools. Yeah, Solomon. He had jacuzzis, man. He had the biggest crib anyone's ever seen on TV. Go do a special on his house. Okay, he had more gold and riches. I can't even imagine. You remember DuckTales? Remember Scrooge? He used to have that big vault. He used to like swim in. All those coins and everything. That's like a really old show, huh? That's the weird thing to me. Is that that was like when I watched when I was a kid. I'm like, that, that's old. I guess that's a long time ago. You guys watch Darkwing Duck, huh? That's what you watch. Yeah, I watch DuckTales. Anyways, Scrooge used to swim through his money bin. I mean, swim through all the money that he had. He had such a... I mean, it was incredible. And it was like every kid's dream to just want to be able to do that one day. Even though you know it, you can't... He had a, he had a diving board. He had a diving board and all of his money, it was like gold coins everywhere. And it was like as big as a warehouse, you know? All this money and it was just filled as, as high as you can imagine. And he would jump off the diving board right into the coins and just swim around in it, you know? just He loved his money. Solomon did greater than that. He had rubies and diamonds and you name it. He had it. He was rich 
Not only did he have all of that, but women. You know how many women he had? He had 700 wives. 700. And he had 300 concubines. These are just women just to pleasure with. 300 of them on the side. 700 wives. What did God say in Deuteronomy 17? You are not to multiply wives unto yourself. One wife. 700. I could see Solomon there in Israel just looking around just like, "Mm, I want that one, Uh, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. And these girls, of course, King Solomon, in all of his wisdom, in all of his splendor, everything that he had, he walked around and chose whatever he want. And they were probably stoked. Like, I get to live live in the king's palace. They didn't care. So he multiplied all these things unto himself. Even after all the wisdom that he had. He had all the wisdom. And as I was reading a commentary before we jump into this, sometimes the things that you're strongest with are the things that you fall in. Let me say it again. Sometimes the things that you are strongest in or with, you will fall in. Some illustrations. Moses was the meekest man to ever walk the earth. Yet where did he fall? He struck the rock in anger. Peter, the boldest of all the disciples, said what? I will never deny you, Lord. The boldest. But guess what did he do? He denied the Lord. Remember Noah, there on the ark, working on the ark, the purest man in all of his generation. He was working while everyone else was what? Partying and getting drunk. And where did Noah fall? Do you remember a couple chapters later? He was drunk in a tent. Wow! Wow! The places that you think you are strongest in, and the places that you probably are strongest in, beware. They will be the very place that you will fall. Solomon was the wisest man to ever walk the earth. More wisdom. If you have wisdom, you're not going to mess up, right? He messed up more than anyone. He had all the wisdom that you could ever want, yet he was a fool in his life. Instead of ruling in the name of God, And he probably could have taken this entire world over for God. Literally, single-handedly. With his wisdom that God had given him. But he chose to do with it for himself. And we're going to look at tonight, Solomon, as he starts to pen this book of Ecclesiastes. We're in chapter 3. But as he is penning this, look what he is doing. You know what this book is all about? It's about how worthless everything in life is. And he's writing writing this, I don't know, possibly in a backslidden state. Maybe not. He could have just backslidden because at the end of the the book here, he turns it around and, and he says something profound, which we'll look at tonight as well. But Solomon is saying this. I could see him miserable, maybe sitting there with the fattest diamond the world has to offer, a cup of wine in his hand, the most beautiful girls around him with all the palace and splendor, thinking about all the places he's conquered and and brought forth, sitting there saying, I have everything and I am the most miserable man on this earth. This is all meaningless to me. I'm going to die and all this will be gone and the next person will take this over. Who cares? I've done all this. I have it all. And look, no one even cares. Everyone will forget me. It's no big deal. And if you look at life, before we jump into this chapter, real quick. You look at your life of 70 years and look what you've done and how much 
it will honestly impact the world. You, little old you, 70 years, just think about if you never do anything that has to do with God, you just live 70 years, whether you become a millionaire, whether you have a big house, whether you have lots of cool friends, you have a good party every once in a while, you got lots of hot girls or guys around you, who really cares? You're not doing anything anybody else has ever done. It's already been done, man. Jumped off that cliff, man, that was cool. Now what? When you die, it's over. And that's it. The cookie crumbles, huh? And that's a, it's a depressing book. It really is. But there is a powerful message of hope at the end. And so we're going to get depressed. Get ready. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Even though these are words of, uh, from a depressed mind of Solomon, there's great insight in many of it. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3, Ecclesiastes. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Stop there. We've got to stop here. This is the foundation. To everything, everything, there is a season, a time to every purpose under heaven. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a season. Everything has a period of time that has been established to it. Everything. Pick up any of this pen in my pocket. It is a time and a purpose. It is a time that it will exist. How long do you think? Um, I don't know. Probably three weeks until I lose it, right? Or uh, I'm writing with it or it's in my pocket and it breaks and gets ink all over my pants. Um, it's not going to last very long, but it does have a purpose. And I can write on paper with it. I can do all kinds of things with it. Um, it has a time period and has a purpose behind it. Everything does. Everything, 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 whatever you want. The tile, this table, your life, yes. Time period and a purpose. The wind blowing, yes. Everything has a purpose and a time period attached to it. And what this shows is that God is in control of everything, and that He has stamped it with something. That there's a purpose behind everything. There's nothing that happens outside of the hand of God. There's no leaf that falls outside that God does not know about. He is aware of everything. And everything has a purpose. Why did that leaf fall? I'm not sure. Who can say? I mean, who knows? It's like you're standing there and the leaf falls. Maybe it fell just so that you could look at it and wonder, why did that leaf fall? I don't know. But everything has a purpose, everything has a time, okay? We're about to look at some stuff here that he's about to list, and the reason why he's listing it is to show you that even though it has purpose and meaning, to him in this state it is all meaningless because he is not seeking God. Look at this. Look at verse 2. There is a time to be born, a time to die. Did you know that? How many know the exact time that they were born? How many? Few? Okay. I think it was one early in the morning sometime. I don't remember. I have my birth certificate though. There's a time to be born, and there's a time when what? You will die. Many of you know the time that you were born, and God knows the exact time when you will die. There is a date somewhere in the future, an actual time place stamped when you'll be done. Game over. 
No continues. You don't get to hit the button. You can't restart. You don't get another chance. That's it. There's a time when you were born. There's a time when you die. Let it be reality in your own mind. There's a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. It's true. You plant something in the ground and there will come a time when what? It will bear fruit and you will pick from it. I love the way that works in a person's life. You will plant seeds, but guess who does the reaping? God does. God is the one who brings that person. You can do as much as you want to bring it, try and bring a person to salvation. You can plead with them. You can say whatever you want, but when God chooses to bring that person to Christ, that's it. It's His time. It's God's work. Look at this, verse 3. Interesting. A time to what? Kill. Is it time to kill? Yeah, actually there is. What? It's terrible. That's rated R. The Bible can't say that. Nope. There's a time to kill, not murder. Because the Bible says what? Thou shalt not murder. But there's a time to what? Kill. Yes, there is. There is a time when defending, there is a time to kill. We see it all the time in the Old Testament. There's lots of killing that takes place. But what what happened when Moses murdered that person? He was guilty. The reason why when people are killing with... Um, it's even it's a hard word to use because it kind of rings in our ears, doesn't it? It's kind of a word that I don't think we as uh, a nation like to hear, nor anyone in the world like to hear. Actually killing someone? Well, um, I don't even want to try and bring an illustration so that I can justify it because I'm just not going to because I don't even know where that's at. But I know that some people in defending themselves have been justified in killing. And so... Obviously, out on the uh, in the war field, man, it's a terrible thing. War is a sick thing, and it's a sad thing. But in order for freedom and safety against people who are wicked and desire to destroy and mess up, we have to fight against these things in order to have freedom. It's bought with a price. There is a time to kill. Do you know that? You know the only reason you're free is because someone stood up one day and fought for you. You know that? This is not a communist nation. We do not have a dictator. You're free. You can go do it. You can you can yell whatever you want as loud as you want outside. You know that. You have freedom of speech. Not in a lot of countries. If you would have yelled, you know, back in uh, in Hitler's day, Hitler should be killed. You'd probably be killed there on the spot. You can't say that. We can say whatever we want. That's freedom. That's a blessing. And people die for this. And people killed so that we could have these freedoms. There's a time for it to happen. Not murder, never. There's a time to kill. And a time to heal, yes. A time to heal. And a time to break down and a time to build up. I like this. A time to weep and a time to laugh. Yeah. Guys, listen up, man. It's like, I'm a man, I don't cry. Well, um, there's a time to weep, believe it or not. And many guys need to. Because they've stored up so much within their life, man, and, and, and pushed down so much emotion. and so, They've just trapped it all inside. And there comes a day that all of a sudden it all just explodes. I think the, the... I don't know why this happens, but I see a lot of men, especially Christian men, that the older they get, almost the more sensitive they get to these things. They understand it ain't about being a super macho man, you know, the rest of your life. That there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. 
Some of you guys are too serious. Lighten up a little bit, huh? You know, God created humor, you know? He's not like some big meanie in the sky who just sits there all day like, I'm I'm mad and I'm angry with everyone. God made sarcasm. He made it. Isn't that great? I would love to see Jesus do stand-up comedy, man. I bet you he would like... I mean, he knows all the jokes. They'd be clean and they'd be hilarious. We've rolled. But at the same time, he's what? He's righteous, man. He's perfect in all his ways. He's holy and just. Not something to be taken lightly. He's not some homeboy that you slap it up with. He is the eternal God of the universe. But there's a time to laugh. There's a time to weep. Jesus weeped, and I believe he laughed so much. I bet he, it says that he was anointed with the oil of gladness above, guess what? All men. That means he had more gladness than anyone to ever walk the earth. I bet he loved to laugh. But then it also said that what? That he was the man of sorrow, a song. That he weeped for the people. Do you remember? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wish I could gather you like a mother hen gathers her chicks. I wish you would come to me, but you don't. He weeped for the people. There's a time for both. Look at this. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Love this. A time to mourn. This is important. This is very, very important. I've I got to stress this, please. Because I think many people do not mourn in the time needed to mourn. If someone dies in your family, you need to mourn. You need to mourn. I love the way the Jews do it. You know what happens? Say, say, my, say if my brother died, and I was a Jew, and I lived in Israel. That day, the day that he dies, he will be in the ground. They will call up as many family members as they can. Everyone drops their work. Everybody drops everything. And they run to the gravesite where he's about to be buried. And we bury him right there on that day. And then now I will sit for seven days. I will not leave the house. I will sit there in my house for seven days and more. And my friends can come and meet with me and hang out with me. But I will sit there in sorrow. And I will cry every tear that I'm going to cry. And I will get out everything. I'm going to think about it and meditate on it for a full week straight. Seven days. You exhaust the morning almost. And then this is what happens on the seventh day. You go in. You take the clothes. You don't change your clothes either. You don't take a bath. You don't shower. You don't do any of that for seven days. You sit there in this misery, in this morning, and you soak it in and you take it in as much as you're possibly going to do it. And then what? On the seventh day, you take off your clothes and you burn them. You take off a shower and you shave all the hair off. Not your head, but you know, guys, obviously, you shave clean and you do all that. You get cleaned up and you get moved forward. And you let it go right there. From that moment on, it's done. You do not mourn anymore. You move on and you get busy with life. You do not hold on to this for year after year after year. There needs to be a healthy time of mourning. And I love the way that they do it because it's almost like you get to a point where you say to yourself, I've mourned and cried so much. And I've sat here and done nothing for a full week that I don't want to mourn anymore. I'm ready to get busy and back in life. And sure, we don't have that custom here in America, and so sometimes it takes longer for people to get over things. But I think a healthy healthy person, when someone dies, they'll always remember them. And I think they may be sat in their heart for quite a while, for quite a long time. My mother died when I was eight, and it was it was months. I mean, I remember just still crying and thinking about it. It was a boy. 
And my dad said that even after a year, he was still, he would still hurt inside. But I think a healthy dose of mourning will really help you big time. A lot of people just like to stuff it down and act like nothing happened and just try to move on with life. You can't do that. You want to know why death hurts so much? Remember, there was some statistic I had heard a long time ago that humans were never created to die. That the, the human heart is actually made to beat forever. And if it could, it would. If, if the nutrients and the ability, and, and if there wasn't this decay, it would actually just keep on beating. It's just created to do that. It, the way that it's designed, it just to beat forever and ever and ever. That works biblically, of course. You're not created to die ever, but to be in fellowship with God. But one, but one man sinned and separated us from God. And now we will die. And so when someone dies, it's foreign to you. It's the most surreal thing that you could ever experience in your life. Because it's not natural. It's not what's supposed to happen. But you need to mourn. It's an important thing. And guess what? You need to dance. There's a time to dance. Baptist? Sorry. It says it right there. It says it. I don't know what to say. Um, and I, I don't want. I'm not going to down that at all. You know. Uh, if you want to put um, standards in your own life, that's fine. Just don't put them on others. Uh, if the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not dance, then you can't make that a standard for all of Christianity. You can't. Um, but if you want to put that on your own life, like I'm not going to dance because it reminds me of the club and I used to get down and all that, then that's fine. You don't have to do that, okay? You don't have to do that. Um, but there are some who don't dance that way, like being in the club, and um, who desire to dance before the living God. My gosh, look at David, King David, the man after God's heart. Remember his wife rebuked him for dancing? Because he was dancing in his underwear, but... <laughs> but he was dancing before the Lord, and what happened to her? She was cursed, and she was never allowed to have babies. Because she looked on a, upon a man who was completely open before God, and his heart completely turned towards God and said, what? I'm going to worship God greater, probably, maybe that was the greatest act of worship in the history of worship. David dancing there, not caring what anyone thought, dancing before the Lord, bringing the ark back into the city. David's so happy, blessing God with all of his heart. And someone looks on that and says, that's sin. It's dangerous. Don't ever mock someone whose heart is turned towards God. And be careful to judge another man's servant. Because you don't know where they're at. You don't know where their heart is. Be very, very careful. Hey, we are to be fruit inspectors because we want to look out for one another, right? We're family. We take care of one another. But don't be judgmental upon them. There's a difference there, okay? You can inspect fruit, but don't be a sin sniffer. Walking around, I smell sin. Little Pharisee. That's exactly what it is. And Jesus rebuked and really called out those kind of people. So guess what? There's a time to mourn, there's a time to dance. Verse 5, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. Mm. I like that. A time to embrace, like sometimes you need to embrace, I like thinking about the people around you. Guys, stop acting like you have it together all the time, okay? Sometimes you need to embrace the family around you and allow people to minister to you. It's a hard thing when you minister all the time. When you're always encouraging and building up and then just to allow and just to receive and to let people minister to you. It's difficult. But we need to embrace the people around us. But then other times, guess what? There's some of you who are really clingy. So all you do is embrace, 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 embrace. Wait a minute. There's a time to not be embracing, isn't there? 
It's a time to be alone and by yourself and independent before God. And to sit there before Him and let Him speak to your heart. There's a balance there. There's a time to get and a time to lose. I like that. Did you hear that? You know there's going to be times in your life when you win and times in your life when you lose. And simply because of the sovereignty of God, simply because that's how He's planned your life. It could be because you've made bad decisions, that's for sure. It just so happens that's the way that God has made it. Sometimes things will happen outside of your control. Like, guess what, today? Well, one thing that I did wrong was I left my car parked on my street, which I think is a ridiculous rule. But when a street sweeper comes, um, if you don't have your car in the driveway or in a driveway somewhere, you're getting a ticket, man. Yeah. And so I got a ticket for $25 because I did not have my car parked in the driveway. I'm just like, ooh, praise God I'm a Christian. <laughs> this is what happened. I go to make the payment online, $25. I made the payment. I thought I made the payment. I just got a notice in the mail yesterday saying, you owe $80. Huh? Wait a minute, I'm calling somebody up right now. So I dialed that telephone number. Yeah, um, I don't get it. I paid this last month and uh, when I was supposed to because I didn't want to pay that late fee that you set on there. We're going to tag on $55 if you're late. I saw that, said I don't want that, and went and paid it um, online. The guy says, we have no records of your payment. Okay. Um, did you get an email, sir? Did you get anything telling you that we had uh, that the payment was off? No, no. Well, you should go check your bank statement to see if the money was taken. I'm like, okay, um, and what if it isn't? Well, then you have to pay $80. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I cannot get out of this. I'm stuck. Because they think I'm being dishonest and I didn't make the payment. But the honest truth is I went online and made the payment. I'm stuck and I can't do anything. And guess what? Today, I lose. There are days when you're going to lose and days when you're going to win. That's it, bottom line. Get ready for it, Okay? And I can sit around and throw me a little temper tantrum and act like I'm going to go and do something and protest City Hall or something. Or I can just shut my mouth and say, today I get to lose. And uh, praise God it wasn't one. I don't know. You're going to lose. And some days you will win, won't you? You get hooked up. Love those days. Praise God for both and everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. There's a time to keep and a time to cast away. Yep. Your old clothes... Don't keep those. Cast them away. Okay, cast them away. Give them away. You should do that. Actually, maybe somebody help me out. I have two bags of clothes that actually are in the back of my car that I need to give away. Does anyone know? I don't want to give them Salvation Army because they're just going to take them to resell them. I want to give them away, you know, like really give them. Um, if anybody knows, need, come up to me afterwards so I can get. Yeah, come up afterwards. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silent. Silence. Keep silence. And a time to speak. Wow. I put wow huge next to that. Wow huge. Because guess what? Did you know there's a time to be silent? To shut that mouth? Yeah. Tom? Yes, there is. Proverbs over and 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 over 
shows how the fool rambles his mouth all the time. Yuck, 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 And the person who keeps mouth silent is wise. The less you speak, the more people want to hear. It's true. It's like one of my close friends, man. I, I can't wait till he speaks because he doesn't much. I'm always wondering what he's thinking. So, what do you got to say about that? It's like my buddy Christian. I think I was the talker in Israel. Yeah, I can talk. It's a fault, man. When I lived in Israel for three months, Christian... And he just seemed to be quiet the majority of the time. And he would only speak when, when it was time. And he'd always say this a lot of times. I'd ask him a question. I'd say, Christian, what do you think about this? And he'd say, you know, I don't think I have authority to speak on that issue. What? He's like, give me an answer, man. I want to know what you got to say. He's like, he's not going to say anything. He would just say that all the time. I'd be like, and I always got something to say, you know. We bring up an issue, politics, no matter what it is, it's like, I got something to say. And I want to make my point. I don't want to you know, nail that thing in. Christian just kicked back. But when he did speak, profound. Profound. Simply profound. It's a lesson for all of us. Learn to keep silent. Practice that at home when your mommy tells you to do something. Shut that mouth. When your dad speaks up and you don't like what he said, quiet. That's something that we young people need to learn real fast. Have you ever heard the phrase, my grandma used to tell me all the time, don't speak unless spoken to. That's the way it used to be. You don't walk up to an adult and speak like you know. You shut that mouth until they speak to you. And then it's almost a doorway for you to be able to say something. We have lost our way as far as ethics in our time. We need to get back to that, especially you guys. Men, set the example. Come on, man. To rise up, we need to treat people who are older than us with respect, the highest respect. You should be opening the door all the time. You shouldn't speak unless spoken to. Learn, learn, and parents will be blessed by you. And learn when to speak. I think people will appreciate your talking a lot more if you learn to be quiet. Not very many of us need to learn how to talk. That's a piece of cake. Many of us need to learn how to be quiet. Verse 8, there's a time to love and a time to hate. Did you know that? That there's actually a time to hate? Yeah, did you know that God hates quite a bit? He hates sin. He hates lying. He hates pride. It's number one on the list. He hates it. That's what he cast Lucifer, Satan, out of heaven for Write down, because of pride. There's a time to hate, and there's a time to love. There's a time of war, and a time of peace. There's a time for war, interesting, and a time of peace. He says in verse 9, What profit has he that worketh, that wherein he labored? I have seen the travail which God has given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has set the world in their hearts, or eternity in their hearts, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to end. It says here, 
Solomon with his work and his labor. He knows what all this is about because he's been there. And then he goes on to say that everything is beautiful in its time. And it is. That everything is beautiful in its time. It's true. Because there's a time for everything. And we need to recognize that. Just a small point. Everything is beautiful in its time. Whether it be war, whether it be hate, whether it be love, whether it be flowers. There's a time when things are beautiful. And it says that he has put eternity in the hearts of all men. Interesting, huh? Eternity in the heart of every single person is, yes, set in. Um, Many people ask the question, what about people in other countries who have never seen a Bible, who have never heard about Jesus? What about them? Do they go to hell when they die? Interesting question. It says here clearly that God has put eternity within their hearts of every man. They know. And I've heard of crazy stories. There's a book, I think it's called Eternity in Their Hearts, that I think Calvary Chapel puts out, and it speaks about indigenous tribes who have had no, con- no connection with society or culture. And they're out there in the middle of nowhere, and they end up knowing principles about the Bible, and they end up worshiping this Jesus. How? Because I believe when the word says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you, that it is true. That any man, no matter where they are on the earth, if they choose to draw near to God, that voice inside of them that is saying, there's something more to this. It's not just me waking up and going to sleep every day and doing a bunch of work in between. No, there's something more to this. If a man chooses to step out and to ask and say, draw near to God in any way, shape, or form, God will what? Draw near to them. No man is without excuse. No man has any excuse. God has put eternity in their hearts. Look at verse 12. I know there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good, all of his labor, it is the gift of God. It's a good point. Solomon's saying, hey, listen up. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. What does that mean? That means, hey, if you work hard during the day, then go and enjoy it. It's okay. It's going to have toys. It's going to have cool stuff. Don't, just don't let it overtake your life. That's, that's where danger is. And so, work hard. If you don't work, then you don't deserve to eat. Do you know that? The Bible says it clearly. And, uh, man, I was over at the, the Bible College today, and a guy named uh, Greg Opine was speaking today. I was listening to him, and he said clearly, he, he said he did this. Him and some of his buddies just lived down in San Diego. And there was five of them in the house, and what they would do is they would take homeless people in, and they would, uh, they would let them stay there for a month or two, and uh, they would get them on their feet and get them a job and get them moving. And, and he said, 17 guys they took in, and 16 of those 17 got jobs, got on their feet, and got moving forward because they were in a house of people who loved God, they helped them change their life and get their feet, get, get themselves back on their feet. Listen, the one guy, though, that didn't, this is what happened. He would go down and he would surf every day and he'd come back and he'd eat the food in the house and go down and surf and just hang out and just goof off. And all of a sudden it came down and he said, hey, we're going to give you this many days. And if you don't even go out and even start looking for a job, we're going to kick you out. And the guy was like, no, you're not. You guys are Christians. You know, you're not going to kick me out. That day came. He went down and he surfed and he came back to get some food and guess what? They had packed up his stuff. They had put a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter in his backpack and they put it outside and they locked the door. And the guy came 
and there was his stuff, and they opened the door, and they said, hey, God bless you, brother, in the name of Jesus, go. And uh, he started cussing at them. He was very upset with them. You guys aren't Christians. Are you kicking me out? He said, no. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't deserve to eat. And you are not working, and we cannot continue to take care of you. We cannot support this. You have to go. In the name of Jesus, go. They said it, and they locked the door, and that was it. And this has been a reality to me. You know, I used to tell my dad, Dad, you're the one who had me, and so you have to take care of me. It's your fault. What a lame excuse, huh? Slap that kid. It's the dumbest thing I ever heard. I used to use it. Until I woke up and recognized that my dad breaks his back for me. He used to work 13, 15 hour days. He would be gone for three days at a time because, hey, mom, there was no mom there. To support three boys, he'd truck drive. And he'd be gone and we'd be home trying to take care of ourselves just to make the rent payment. And we did lose the house and we did lose the car. We lost everything. We did live in a hotel for a bit there. But I'm here to tell you this, that my father worked very hard for us. And for me to say some cocky little remark like that, I would have slapped myself so hard if I was my dad. But he didn't. And I'm telling you here, if you're blessed in a household, your parents take care of you, and you don't do chores at home, shame on you. Do those dishes, work hard for your parents, because they fork out lots of money for you. And they take care of you, believe it or not. Take out the trash. Bless mom, bless dad. Mow the lawn, do whatever it takes. You work hard. And if you don't work, then shame on you and you shouldn't be eating. Don't eat in the house. Go and try to do it on your own, I dare you. Be like Mr. Cool Kid and and say, I'm going to walk out of the house and go figure this life out on my own. Go and do it and watch how hard it is. Try to make a rent payment of 600 bucks a month, you know, in an apartment by yourself. You try. You'll see how difficult it is and what a blessing it is to live in a house of parents who take care of you. You'll find out real quick. It's okay to enjoy the work of your labor, but if you do not work, you don't have anything to enjoy. You can't be enjoying. You need to be going to school and you need to be doing work around the house. Or you need to go get a job, bottom line. Amen? It's important. It's a lazy society. It ticks me off. Bunch of lazy kids, man, don't know how to do anything these days. Don't know how to plant a tree. Don't know how to put down a garden. Don't know how to work hard. Never had a callus on their hand in their life. Sad. But that's what our society, the television, is breeding. We've got to learn. And if it's me exhorting you and rebuking you, then let it be. I wish I could take all of you on the construction site for like one week. I'll give you a hell week. We'll work hard together. We will break I, girls too. Everyone, we just learned it. And I used to listen to my grandma ramble about all the things that her parents would make her do. She would do the cows. She would do the chickens. She would work out in the field all day long. I mean, she did the whole. My grandma could shoot a gun better than any of us in this room. I'm telling you, Oklahoma. But she is a beautiful lady, and uh, it's a powerful woman of God. She taught us to work hard when we were young. Let's move on here. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. Verse 14. I know that whatsoever God does, it shall be forever. Woo! Like that. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. God doeth it, The men should fear before him. Hey, anything God does, it will endure forever. Anything man does, it's going to fade. Anything you do, anything. I'm going to build a statue. I'm going to build a tower. I'm going to call it the Tower of Babel. It's going to reach the heavens. It's going to fall. 
It's going to fall. It's going to, but anything that God does, it will last forever. That which has been is now, and that which is to be hath already been. And God requireth that which is past. And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment. The wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. Listen. I said in my heart, listen, Solomon speaking. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. I said in my heart, concerning the estate and the sons of men, that God might manifest them, and that they may see that they themselves are beasts. This is, I mean, hilarious. Verse 19, For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts, even one thing befalleth them. As one dies, so that dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man hath no premises over the beast for all his vanity. Look at what he's doing. He's in such a state that he is saying, you were just like animals. You're, you're almost at the place of animals. Look, an animal has breath. And look, he goes out into the field and he has a good life and does his thing. And then he dies. And it's the same thing with us. You just go around, you have a good life and you do all this and then you just die. He's comparing it because that's what he is feeling. Because he has done what God has told him not to. He's feeling like what? This sucks. This life really sucks. I've experienced all of it my way. I haven't done, a God, I haven't done any of it God's way. And now I'm reaping it. Look at verse 20. All go to one place, all are dust, and all turn to dust again. Who knoweth the spirit of the man that go upward, and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth? Wherefore I perceive that there is nothing better than that man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion. For who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? You know what he says to you? And he says to the world, Hey, if you got a cool toy, enjoy it, because that's it. If you get to have a strawberry shortcake, eat it, because it's going to be good, and that's it. And uh, keep chasing out, get a boat, and enjoy it, because that's it. And uh, get whatever you want and enjoy it, and it's over. That's it, man. It's just vanity. It's lame. You're going to get tired of it. You know that? Isn't it amazing when you open that gift at Christmas, and you're so fired up about it, and already right now you're just like, it's cool. It's no big deal. It's not that big of a deal anymore. I mean, I, I look at the things that we get and that we are so excited about. I just picked up the iPhone just recently. And this thing, I'm so blown away by there in the beginning. You know, I just, I mean, just blown away. I'm like on the thing all the time, just like figuring out all the new gadgets with it and all stuff and pressing, trying to impress people around me. Check this out. Does your phone do this? Nope. Aha. This thing is sick. You know, it's going off, right? It's going off. And already it's just like, yeah, it's cool. And it's cool. Um, I drive a Range Rover, which I'm fed up. But anybody want to buy it, you can buy it. And you can have it. It's cool. It is fun for a bit. But I just really don't care anymore. It's like Big Whoopi. I would rather be saving gas. I really don't care that it's on 20. I don't care. It's nice, and that's what people get in. Wow, this is nice. Yeah, it's cool. And I even somebody told me, one of my friend, they got in. I said, it's like, that's yeah, really nice. I said, yeah, it's cool. I'm just going to, you know, whatever. And they said, enjoy it while you have it. And I thought, and that, that just reminds me exactly what Solomon's saying. He's just like, man, while you got it, just try and enjoy it, because that's as good as it gets. I have done it all. Whatever you're experiencing and enjoying right there in that moment, that's as good as it gets. You know when you're eating ice cream, it's just the bomb? It's the bomb. so good. So good. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I like that. You know you're doing that? 
you get a cool gas, you're just like, yeah. For those of you guys who like to drive fast, that moment, oh man. I did something crazy a long time ago. I went really, really, really fast on my motorcycle. Really fast. I mean, I'm not even going to say how fast. Or blow my witness. <laughs> but it was fast. That moment was awesome. And that was it. Because it's over. Every, every single experience is just like, okay, that was good. And it was good, and it was good for that moment, and then it's over. What I'm getting at is this, that there's nothing in this world that will make you feel good. Nothing. What is that thing that you're saying to yourself right now? If only this would happen, then... No. Wrong. Nope. Never. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. This is the last thing. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. It's the last chapter of the book. And look at the last verses of this book. Look at them. Ready? Chapter 12, just turn a couple pages to the right. Come on. you got to see this. you got to see this. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, look at verse 13. Are you there? He says this. You ready? Solomon in all splendor, after everything he's experienced, he says what? Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Let us hear the conclusion of life. Are you ready? The secret, the conclusion, everything you need, everything. Here it is. This is my conclusion. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Did you hear that? That's it. He says, after I've experienced every single taste of ice cream, I have driven every fast car. I have worn every bit of clothes. I have had every experience on this. I have done everything there is. Every woman, more beautiful woman you can even imagine. More money than you can even think about. I've had it all, and I'm telling you this, that it's fun for this much, that much. It's good, and then afterwards I'm bummed. And so I'm here to tell you this, the only thing that you're never going to get bummed on is this. Fear God and obey His commandments, for this is the duty of every single man. Fear God and obey His commands. The man who obeys the commands of God will be blessed and happy all of his days. The man who doesn't, you're going to have a miserable life, I guarantee you. I'll put money on it. I will bet anyone in this room. Let's look at a person who walks with God, and let's look at a person who doesn't, and at the end of their life, we will compare, and I see misery. Look at the great atheists of our time who rejected God. Why are they all in insane asylums? Or kill themselves? What's that about? That's sad. That's a sucky life. And why do these Christians who believe in this big spaghetti monster in the sky just so happen to be happy and cheerful and an old woman coming across the street to give cookies to someone? It seems like it works. And I'm here to tell you that it does. There's been a lot of crazy stuff in life and there's nothing that comes close to a relationship with God. And I will trade it for no amount of rubies nor experience in this life. Never. And Father, we recognize... We recognize, King, that you have created life and there is no greater pleasure than to get to know you and to experience life through your eyes and to experience life walking with you. It's true. Lord, I pray that you would pull the scales off many here in this room. 
who even think that something, a better job, more money, a cooler car, a better experience, a husband or a wife, that these things are going to make them happy. And God, that you'd shout to them and let them know that it will bring nothing but misery. Because it will be happy for a moment and then reality will hit and the bottom will fall out and they will run to the next thing. But we know that you, God, last forever. That you endure. And that fullness of joy is found in your presence. I have experienced it and tasted of it and I will trade it for nothing in this world. And I pray, God, that peace would drop on this place and that rest and contentment would fall in this place. That people would be set free by the things that they are chained to. The things that they think make them happy. Whether it be partying or a TV. Whether it be a car or a person. We ask that you would set people free tonight. And that they would cling to you and you alone. Bless your people. Bless them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, wow. Extra time. Um, the reason why I exhort you and the reason why I tell you guys these things is because I love you guys. Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, it's true. I just want the best for your life. And um, I'll put money on it. And you're not going to find anything else better in this life uh, than a relationship with God. If you throw God out of the Bible and just follow the principles of the Bible, you're going to be blessed. If you throw God in, man, forget about it. And so, uh, as you leave tonight, meditate on these things. As you go and you get in your car, which you once loved, and now wish you could sell it and you hate it. Uh, and turn on your music that you're really enjoying now, but hey, two weeks down the road, you're not even going to care about the song anymore. Recognize that God will not fade. Every time you draw near and every time you reach out, He will meet you. And He will carry you through all the way until the day that you die. And you will be blessed, I guarantee it. Amen? Lord be with you. Lord bless you and keep you.